Welcome to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. We're putting black girl magic in motion. This show is dedicated to reinventing wellness for women of color. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Thank you for tuning into the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. This is your host, Lestrandra here, and I am so grateful to have you joining me today. So we're now halfway through September. I don't know if there's really been a consensus as to what is following up our hot girl summer. I don't know. I don't know what we've got planned for fall. Maybe you can let me know. Let us know on Instagram at Balance Black Girl Podcast. Like, where do we go from here after the summer? Where? What's? What is our move for fall? I will be honest. I don't really feel like I had much of a hot girl summer, but I hope you did. I hope you did. At least had a self care summer, if nothing else. I'm so glad to be back in the swing of things. Towards the end of summer, I had taken a little bit of time off from recording the show. We had a few rewind episodes, and I'm so glad to be getting back in the swing of things because I missed it. I missed recording, I missed interviewing, and I missed getting to interact with all of you. So now that fall is here, even though I'm sad that summer is over, I am glad to be getting back in the swing of things. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to give a special shout out for our review of the week. So this week's review is from Naya Ray 91 and it is titled Love Feeling Represented. She says, I've never felt so represented in a space. I was striving to be a balanced black girl before I found this podcast, so I was so glad when I discovered it. The topics discussed are so relevant to my life during this season I'm in. I'm just so thrilled about this podcast and have been sharing it with all of my friends. Thank you so much for that incredible review, Naya. I am so grateful that you feel represented. That is exactly why this space was created. Thank you for your review and thank you for sharing the show with your friends. Really, really appreciate the shares, y'all. Sharing the show is how we get new folks listening to the show. The more folks we get listening to the show, the more we can continue to spread the message and just the more balanced black girls we can touch and get involved in the conversation. So thank you for that. If you have not yet left us a review on Apple Podcasts, please do so. It is a huge, huge help for the show. It is how new folks find us and it is a really helpful way for us to get valuable feedback so that we can continue serving you and making the show better. So today's episode is a really fun one. And if you are as obsessed with skincare as I am, I think you're really going to love it. So today we're talking to Kim Joy Long, who is an esthetician at Spruce Apothecary in Seattle. Kim Joy specializes in sugar hair removal and offers just a suite of holistic skincare and green beauty services to her clients. Through her training to become an esthetician, she realized that many beauty and skincare treatments are not designed with the needs of women of color in mind. So in a lot of these programs, you know, estheticians are really not being trained on how to properly treat melanated skin. And it's really, really important to be aware of that. So she strives to provide products and services that are safe for melanated skin that don't create any issues for us or hyperpigmentation, which we can be prone to. And we just had a really good conversation about the ways that these programs can better educate these professionals on how to help melanated women take care of our skin too. Kim Joy is a mother of three who is passionate about helping women, especially mothers, prioritize their own self-care. I, I know I've been following her on Instagram for a while now, and I'm always so inspired by her workouts, and I don't know how she does it all, uh, but she is a huge advocate for self-care and is really, really passionate about not only helping her clients take care of their skin, but also really creating a loving, safe space for them to feel comfortable in. So we had a really great conversation talking all about skincare, taking care of our skin, self-care through skincare. We talked talked about making time for self-care if you are really busy, if you're a caregiver. Like I said, she's a mom of three. So we talk a lot about that and how to balance that. And we also talk a lot about the skincare industry. 
and how people who are being trained to be estheticians or stylists uh, sometimes miss the mark when it comes to the education that is given regarding how to help women of color take care of our skin. And it is a huge gap. And it is so, so important that we get treatment and education that is particularly suited for us. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And without further ado, let's jump in. Kim Joy, welcome to the show. I am so excited to chat with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Absolutely. So so our listeners can get to know you a little bit. Um, Can you tell us a bit more about your background, what you do, and how you got to where you are today? So I'm an esthetician in West Seattle, and um, I work with clients and strive to be a holistic, all-natural, organic skincare guru. Um, I'm very passionate about self-care. I love working with women, especially women of color. Um, I just, there's a very special place in my heart for caring for people. I'm a mother of three, so I'm very familiar for taking care of little humans and, you know, going to beauty school. It just came really natural for me to love and care for people. And it's just been the biggest, most like amazing journey stepping into the aesthetics world and creating long lasting relationships with my clients and just creating a loving judgment free space for them to really thrive in and you know open up and be vulnerable and just share whatever they would like and i think I mean, it's great that you take that approach to creating a really loving, judgment-free space for your clients, because I think that in that environment, if someone has a relationship with their esthetician, which can be fairly intimate, um, mm-hmm. it's it's good to have that kind of rapport. But yes. taking a step back, for folks who have maybe never visited an esthetician before, um, can you explain what an esthetician does and why they should consider visiting an esthetician? So estheticians, basically, we take care of you and your body, your skin, your hair, your, um, it's just the study of skin and hair, basically. And it can be anywhere from like a medical standpoint. So you can be a medical esthetician and work with lasers and work with more medical grade, um, medical grade services. So lasering, um, dealing with more of like cystic acne. Uh, I almost actually went into that line of work because it's a little less touchy feely. There's less fluff in it. There's not a lot of pampering. It's just literally you go in for a service and you know, that's it. Um, I learned in beauty school that I was meant to go the other direction, which is more of the spa. So I do facials, I, you know, tint lashes, tint eyebrows, I um, do sugar hair removal. So my line of work is a little bit more intimate because I'm actually choosing to massage and love on you more so than a medical esthetician would. Um, Both fields are very important and very specific for clients and what kind of results they want or um, what kind of services they need for their skin issues. Um, so, you know, I have the pleasure of working with people that sometimes they just want to come in and be loved on. Like not everybody comes in because they have skin like concerns. They actually just come in because they want to be touched. And that's the powerful side to my job is that I can feel that and sense that, and I get to fulfill that for them. And it's just been a beautiful experience to um, have people come in and be vulnerable enough to admit that, or even admit that they're nervous, like they don't understand what's going to happen. And um, I'm just basically washing your face. I'm treating your skin. I'm um, <laughs> ripping body hair out. <laughs> I'm, I'm just beautifying your whole self and there is some technicality within my work as well, but it de- it's 
dependent on each person and what their skin is needing. I just honestly want to get you to a place where you're using clean beauty, where you're practicing self-care at home. Um, I want to encourage knowledge. So I want you to learn something when I'm treating your skin. Because a lot of people, I mean, we're not, not everyone's raised to know how to care for their body. So a lot of times I have to have conversations with clients on how to even care for certain parts of their body and what to use and what not to use. And, you know, why these products, like what is in a product is important because our skin is the largest organ of the body and what you put on it is important because it absorbs what you put on it. So really just enlightening people and in a gentle way too, not being bossy, just sharing information and giving options for whatever season of life they're in. So, you know, if they want to walk home with a 10 piece skincare line, great. (laughs) If that overwhelms them, and they can only do like three steps. Like I'm so down for it because I'm a simple person. I like to take the simple approach. And um, I think that, you know, that best describes an esthetician, I think. <laughs> oh, uh, that's, uh, that is a really wonderful explanation of an esthetician. And I think what stood out most to me is that you provide all of your services with love at the center. Um, I love that you talked about loving on your clients and really making it about their experience and what their needs are. So I would love to dive a little bit more into that. And I especially would love to dive into the green beauty side of things. Mm -hmm. So with green beauty, are there recommendations that you have uh, maybe for ingredients for women to start looking out for either to avoid for maybe harmful ingredients or good ingredients that we may want to add into our routines when it comes to taking care of our hair and skin? Yes. So as far as green beauty goes from what, because I mean, my clients teach me a lot too. So I understand that each individual is unique on how they process information and whether or not they're really going to take it to heart and go home and do something about it. So I don't like to overload people with the list of chemicals that, you know, we can find easily online. If you just Google what are toxic ingredients in skincare, like Mm -hmm. they'll give you a list and they're long names, they're confusing. (laughs) And so from my experience, with clients, it does not work to list off the ingredients that are harmful because eight times out of 10, they're not going to remember what those names are and they're not going to be able to even find them on a back of a bottle. So I really encourage clients to talk to me about what they're using and then I will give them a basic description of what it might have in it and what symptoms they're having that might be caused by the products they're using. So I don't like to overload people with the technical scientific names for things. I tell them, I'm like, there is a list. If you Google the list, you'll find a list of different chemicals in there. And I know you're probably not going to remember them all. So that's why I'm telling (laughs) you go home and educate yourself. Just Google it. And I'm, you know, I'll say, fragrance interrupts the endocrine system and messes with your hormones. So you want to avoid fragrance. Like that's something I'll go over with them very easily or even the high content of water in products, like what you buy from a a grocery store or target, like they're empty. So I'll use terms that are a little bit more understanding or like Mm -hmm. depending on where they're at, like in their skincare, I just ask them, I'm like, turn a bottle over and look at the list of the ingredients. If you cannot understand any of the ingredients, like if none of them are like, you can't pronounce them, you can't like, (laughs) you're going to have to Google them to figure out what they are. That means the product is not clean. Like it's just, it's not going to be clean. And so I'll show them too. I ask them to bring their products in with them, especially if it's their first time. I ask people just bring your products from home in And I'm just going to go over them with you and make sure you're, you know, putting them on in the right order or such and such. And having the physical 
product in front of them and pointing out to them, like, do you see this long list? We don't want to read a long list. We want simplicity. We want ingredients that, you know, you can pick from a garden that you can pronounce, like that gives you the derivative in like, you know, the scientific term for tea tree oil versus the word tea tree oil. Like natural green beauty is going to give you the exact explanation on the back of the bottle. And it's, you're going to be able to know all the ingredients. They're all going to sound familiar to you. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think that that's such a great approach of meeting clients where they're at and doing the kind of concerns based approach where someone has a specific concern addressing maybe ingredients or products from there is a really great way to help educate people without overwhelming them for sure. Yeah. And I also, I mean, like I'm also um, very earth conscious. So whatever products you do have Mm -hmm. at home, I'm not going to tell you to throw them out. I'm going to tell you to like, here's a plan for what we'll switch you over to, but please do use what you have because we don't want to waste that and then just, you know, create more trash and more mess for mother earth. So I like to just wiggle things in there for them to be in control of like when you're ready, let's do step one and then we'll do step two and then we'll switch this out for this product. And so it's all like a very slow, it's a slow process depending on the Mm -hmm. person, but like there's always room for evolving, which is really great because I think everybody's jumping on the bandwagon of like what I put on my body, what I put in my body, it needs to be clean. Like your body is your only home that you have. So it's important to take care of it and to nourish it from the inside out. And we, you know, I not only talk about the skincare products in green beauty, but I also talk about the food, like what we are taking in and what then shows on our skin of how our Mm -hmm. internal skin is doing. So if somebody has really bad acne or um, depending on the area of their face and where the acne is, I'll be able to tell them like, this is in your stomach. So talk to me about your diet. Talk to me about stress or, you know, lifestyle. And that's where things get pretty intimate is because Mm -hmm. it's that trusting and sharing and being honest, like, okay, I totally eat tons of processed foods, you know, and I'm not going to judge. I'm really not like, it's fine. We've all been there. We all have our snacks. (laughs) We all like have our Mm -hmm. weaknesses. (laughs) And I'm like, well, try this with it and see how that helps. Or so it's a very like intricate, trying to figure out what's happening. And that's why I chose green beauty was because it's green beauty. You have to take care of your insides and your outsides for it to work. The problem that I have or had with medical skincare is it does clear up the surface, but if you're not taking care of the inside internal skin, you're always going to have that issue. So I'm like, I want you to get to a place where your skin is clear because your insides are happy, because your body is thriving, um, because you're taking care of yourself, you're, you know, doing your self-care rituals, you're, you know, drinking your water, just basic things that we really take for granted (laughs) that we don't, you know, that we have a hard time doing like drinking water. That's a hard one. I even have a hard time with that, but it does really make a difference for your skin. And when you do hydrate yourself because your insides are happy. (laughs) Totally. And I I think that, the good thing about that is that you're kind of going beyond the surface level. So not necessarily just maybe the external symptom of, oh, I have a breakout here, but what is happening all throughout the body that could be causing that and and helping um, create more well-rounded solutions than just something topical that's only going to work for a limited time. Exactly. And I mean, I do for even my personality, I'm a Sagittarian, so I'm very (laughs) honest. (laughs) I'm very honest. And I'm like, look, if you don't want to stop eating, like if you want to do the elimination diet, and if you've noticed that dairy makes you break out, if you don't want to stop dairy, then there's only so much I can do as far as your skincare or as far as our facials go. 
Yeah. Because I can give you a facial all day, but if what you're putting in is making your, you know, detox organs unhappy, well, like you're responsible for that. So mm-hmm. I like to create a relationship with clients where I'm like, there's accountability here. Like you have to do these things if you want my work to work and your work at home to work, which is that skincare regimen. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I have a question just about the work of an esthetician and like the training to become an esthetician. Mm -hmm. Something that I'm curious about is what does training for estheticians look like when it comes to treating women who are, you know, who have melanated skin, black women, women of color? Are there differences there in how we should treat our skin? Are most estheticians trained on that? Have you had to seek education kind of above and and beyond that? What does that look like? You know, I had an interesting experience in beauty school where um, everyone's treated the same in beauty school when you're practicing on each other, when you know, you're applying chemical peels, we learn the differences for ethnic skin versus in a scale. So it's a Fitzpatrick scale. And it measures, you know, the, um, the amount of active melanin in your skin that causes you to burn. So a one is going to be really fair skin, probably freckled, blonde or redheaded, and burns instantly. And then you go all the way down to a six, and that's going to be the deepest complexion less likely to burn um, you, and they'll describe the traits of a six. Personally in beauty school, I hated this scale because it just seemed outdated, especially being uh, mixed. I am, mm-hmm. um, I am mixed. So it's very deceiving, like looking at my skin tone and judging that and being like, Oh, you don't burn or you do burn. So in school, it was very interesting to be mindful of like, how just not diverse it is and how I'm just clumped in. And mind you, I was the only African-American student in my class. So when it came time to do chemical peels, I mean, ethnic skin is different than Caucasian skin. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it has more risk of being damaged and not just being damaged, but that, hyperpigmentation, that darkening of the skin and creating scarring, Mm -hmm. ethnic skin, meaning, you know, Asian, Hispanic, African-American, we are all very susceptible to scarring extremely bad. So you have to take a super gentle approach with everything you do. Um, And we also have oily skin. All three ethnic groups have oily skin, tend to. And so when trying to balance that out, again, you have to be so gentle because you don't want to do any extremes because it, the melanin in our skin activates for protection. So mm-hmm. when there's any trauma to the skin, it darkens to try to protect itself. But sadly, then that scars us. And, okay. you know, when you have beautiful porcelain skin because, um, you know, you're Chinese or Japanese, it's really a blow to your self-esteem when you have acne scarring because it's, it's not going to fade as quickly as it will on Caucasian skin. Our melanin is just more active than Caucasian skin. And so in beauty school, when I had to start, you know, um, playing with peels and letting people do things to my face, I had an experience where, you know, it said on the paper, I wasn't supposed to do this peel because of that Fitzpatrick scale, some peels you cannot do on, you know, fits four to six, which is going to be the deeper tones because of the risk of hyperpigmentation. And because it's a class, you know, I had to participate and things did go wrong and I did scar Mm -hmm. from it. And I got really upset because I was like, there's not enough education on ethnic skin for students to just go basically ape over, you know, like a chemical peel and just painting it on me. Like it's, you know, like the student next to me. And so, um, I had to talk to the, um, what do you call it? The administrator about it. 
And I told them, I was like, you know, you guys do need more education on ethnic skin. It's just as important. There's just enough. There's more knowledge. There's, there's so much more evolving in it that you guys can put into your curriculum. Cause literally in my beauty school book, it was, I think maybe four pages total in my beauty school book on ethnic skin. And that was for Hispanic skin, Asian skin, and African-American skin. That that was it. And yeah. so it was a very like controversial conversation because I knew I was pushing boundaries, but I just couldn't mm-hmm. stop because I was like, no, like, look at me. Like, this yeah. is not okay. And I'm like, not everybody can be treated the exact same here, especially if their skin is different. And that's the, you know, it's school is experimenting in beauty school. You just experiment on each other and what happens happens. You know, you get overtreated skin, your skin breaks out a bunch because it's being overtreated. It's a <laughs> not as glamorous and fun as one would think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, there is definitely like moving past school. I want to strive in education on African-American skin specifically, but just not that just that, but ethnic skin, because I've learned that being ethnic and also talking to others, we have major trust issues with people touching our skin and our hair. Yeah, we do. And it's because no one really knows how to, you know, quote unquote, deal with it. And there's been countless times, even getting my hair done, there's just like stress in the stylist's face, unless they're African-American, unless they're mixed like we are or something. And same thing goes for skincare. Like, you know, not very many people come into the school that are ethnic to get services done. You see them like maybe one client per class. And that's, you know, there's up to 20 people in a classroom, which means there's 20 clients coming into the school and maybe one of them is ethnic. Mm-hmm. And confidently speaking, I don't think any beauty school student coming out of any beauty school can confidently say, I know how to work on ethnic skin. Like, I'm not nervous because the nerve wracking part of it is reading the chapter and hearing basically how fragile we are. Yeah. And to other estheticians, that's just like a red flag, like, Oh my God, I'm going to ruin them. And it's, yeah, (laughs) yes, yes, (laughs) you can very easily. And I think like the frustrating thing about that, because I think for most black women, we've had an experience either with our skin or with our hair, maybe putting that care into the hands of someone who is not experienced and doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily know what they're doing or who doesn't know how to treat it, it becomes very clear that we are an afterthought. If we get four pages in a textbook that is also combined with care for like Latino and Asian skin, which I could also imagine, I mean, I'm not an esthetician, but I could also imagine that the care for, for those different types of skin is also probably pretty different. That if all of our groups put together, get four pages lumped together, and everyone's kind of scared to to talk about it mm-hmm. and really educate themselves. That just shows that we're kind of an afterthought in that industry. I mean, that at least that's the message that I receive, and that's really, really frustrating. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, I went to a convention this year where um, – you know, I asked if they would, it, the topic was SPF and it was also about hyperpigmentation. So I was like, these mm-hmm. are two prime topics for ethnic skin, like how to protect it and also how to care for it and br- like lighten it if there is scarring. And, you know, a response I got was like, I was asking if they would choose a darker complected model to apply the sunscreen on because let's face it, it's really hard to find healthy sunscreen that doesn't paint our skin like chalk. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's really hard to find clean sunscreen that blends in nicely on our skin. And so I wanted to see a demo with that in that particular brand's SPF. And then I also was like, can you, 
you know, can you choose a model from the audience that's darker complected? And then can you like talk about hyperpigmentation on ethnic skin for the whole entire, you know, ballroom of people to hear and to like absorb because it's all about the education and like drawing people in and making them pay attention. And the response was, um, you know, they already chose another model and, you know, she was Caucasian and blonde. And I was like, well, she doesn't have any hyperpigmentation on her face. So we're not seeing like a demo, like, or even the slides, the people on the slides as models on the board were all lighter complected. So I was like, this isn't a true test for how great this beauty product works. And like the true test would be to challenge yourself and use it on somebody of color because we are, you know, the beautiful challenging clients to help fix that discoloration. And so, you know, the response was, well, this is Washington, you know, like there's not a lot of, it's not very diverse. And I'm like, okay, well, oh my God. you know, the fact that like the defeating moment of that, I was like, I don't even know what to say to that. I don't. So that's their way of saying we don't care. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, because yes. I've had very similar conversations with people when asking questions about events or panels and, and diversity in that here in the Seattle area. That's everyone's favorite go-to excuse is, oh, well, there's no diversity here, yeah. which when I hear that, I just hear I don't care. I didn't think of it till just now. I'm being defensive. Yes, exactly. The defensive. And I'm like, I'm hearing a lot of excuses, but I'm not like nothing is like fitting to what I'm trying to ask for or what I'm trying to tell you right now. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, just, and in those moments too, in the aesthetics industry, it's just like, why isn't this important? You know, I'm like, there is such a loyal following for women of color once we find somebody that, you know, understands us, that is yeah. compassionate towards us, that can hear us and see us, we're so loyal. Like mm-hmm. we will do whatever it takes to care for ourselves because somebody yep. is offering their love and support and being like, I got you. Like, yep, let's do this. You know, I can handle yeah. you. You're not difficult. You're not I'm not going to ignore you. I'm going to shine a light on you and we're just going to do the damn thing. Yes. I couldn't agree more. It's like, we, we care about these things too. We want to take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. We invest in taking care of ourselves when we know that there's going to be a return on that investment. Exactly. Exactly. And a lot of times I just want to see that products are made for everyone. Cause you know, Mm -hmm. the SPF, I, love me some zinc. I do. I paint it on my children like every day. (laughs) I put it on myself and you know, just nobody, not even white people like the white chalky look. And I'm like, well, just imagine how I feel. (laughs) Like I've passed the point of caring. I'm just about the protection, but I'm like, it would (laughs) be nice to have some sunscreen that would rub in and fit everyone's tone. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. there are SPFs like that, but nobody wants to promote it. There's like yep. a very rare occasion that they want to promote the fact this is for, you know, everyone's skin type or everyone's um, Fitzpatrick scale or just so many different situations where like it's not all created equal and it needs to be. And there mm-hmm. needs to be more like even having models that are ethnic would be beautiful to witness because it just it shows us as women, us as women of color, that we matter. Like just seeing a model on like a billboard for something like that you've usually grown up seeing somebody Caucasian on. It's such like a, like an aha moment. Like, Oh my God. Yes. I see. Like, that's me. Like that's me up there. Yeah. Yeah. It just does something to the community to be able to see someone that is similar to you and feel that comfort of like, I can go see an esthetician. Like Mm -hmm. I can go do that. It's not, yeah. it's not just what like, you know, like other people do. I can go do that too. Or even seeing people walk through my door that are women of color. I get so excited because I'm like, yes, this is who 
I want to see walking through this door. I want yep. you to know that I'm here for you and I'm ready for what you have to give me. Yep. Absolutely. And seeing, having clients see me when they walk through the door, because I work in West Seattle, I've mm-hmm. usually worked in Bellevue or Issaquah, like general area. When they walk through the door and see me, they're pumped. And they're like, oh my God, I've been waiting to find an esthetician that's brown. <laughs> I'm like, well, yes. hey, sister, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Here <Yeah>. I am. <laughs> like, just the power of my complexion and how much trust it puts out there. I'm like, Yes. Yes. I'm here. Yep. Let's do it. Absolutely. Cause clients know you get it. Mm-hmm. And hearing also, it's really sad for me to hear clients tell me about their past experiences with other estheticians and especially with hair removal. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of clients that are ethnic that have been told their hair is too much to remove. Or I have been told, um, you know, like estheticians break out in a sweat and they like, they can't finish under 30 minutes like they're supposed to, or just different things that really crushes someone's self-esteem, no matter what ethnicity you are. But Mm -hmm. the fact that somebody had told them that, and it just immediately makes me want to bust out and be like, no, it's fucking possible. Like here, you know, like, yes, you are hairy, but it does not make any difference. Like that's my job is to remove your hair and it doesn't matter how long it takes me. It should take me the exact same amount of time that it took me to do the last person with thin hair. So like, it's really, it saddens me in a, like a deep, deep place when I hear the negative comments that people have received. And yeah. that is not what estheticians should be about. Like we are not here to put you down or talk about you in the back room. We're not here for all that pettiness. Like we're here to support each client and what journey they're on for self-care and how we can help with that. For sure. And I think so much of it is like as we kind of talked about the issues with training and the industry issues, but they come across to clients potentially as a personal issue where people can internalize that and think that they are the problem or think that things are not for them. And it's Mm -hmm. like, that's not for us to internalize. That's for the industry to do better at meeting our needs. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of the excuses are, is that like, well, I haven't worked on them before or I haven't worked on enough people like that. And I'm like, well, it's your responsibility to reach out to those individuals and be like, mm-hmm. well, let me experience some, can I use you as a model? Cause yep. you know, share that you don't understand it, share that you're not familiar with it and then evolve and change and ask those people like, can I work on you? Like, yep. I want to get to know, you know, this particular hair type or this skin type. Like there has to be passion to educate yourself about. Yep these things. And I don't think in beauty school, they do a very good job at promoting that. And even saying like, you know, we lack diversity in this industry. So they're like, we need to build up this area because look at this book. We only have a couple pages. Like, what do you students think we should do about this? Or I don't know, just like sharing possibilities to evolve, I think would be wonderful in beauty schools. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And kind of along the same lines, I mean, I hope that, you know, that that education system will change and that that industry will change. And I'm hopeful that eventually it will from conversations like this happening. And I'm sure that you and I are not the only ones having these conversations that that will help. But I would also love to kind of empower the individuals and empower the clients a bit as well uh, to make sure that our needs, especially as Black women, are being taken care of. So I'm curious from your perspective if there's any like mainstream maybe skincare advice or rules that are kind of passed off as for everyone, but that we that we should not be doing. <laughs> Um, are there like common practices yeah that we as melanated women should not be doing advice we should not take (laughs) 
So number one thing that I hear is that we don't need sunscreen. And that's a top one that I'm like, girl, you better go get some sunscreen right now. (laughs) Yep. That's a big one that everyone. (laughs) Non-negotiable. Yeah, no. uh Uh-uh. Nope. Especially, you know what? Being in Washington, we are not in our environment that (laughs) that we should be in where our skin does protect itself from like the sun. We live in Washington. There's not a lot of sun. Okay. Which means our skin is not trained like our ancestors skin was. So we as African American women still burn. We still are on the rise of skin cancer. And when it's cloudy, don't you think that like those rays are not hitting you because they are. And I like to, (laughs) I like to give all options for SPF for women of color because I'm like, it's going to be a journey finding it. Like finding one that you like, but do not stop. (laughs) Find one, a liquid form, like a cream, and then find a mineral powder form. And that is something I recommend that is a, like a miscommunication that we have (laughs) not been doing, but need to be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, what, what else? What else is for everyone that we should not be doing? Let's see. Over exfoliating, like over mm. scrubbing the skin. Yeah. Um, we tend to have oilier skin and over exfoliating, trying to wash away that extra oil, trying to, I mean, you're going to damage the skin and make it more oily because with our oily skin type, it's just, I mean, when you strip the oil, our body says make more and then yeah. we get extra shiny and greasy and then it turns into acne and then it turns into just this downward spiral of the hyperpigmentation, the scarring, yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah. What else? Let's see here. I think with Hmm. What else? I mean, the SPF one's the top one because anytime yeah. somebody tells me, you don't need sunscreen, you're dark. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was the case. I wish I could be like a Marvel character that just couldn't <laughs> be damaged yeah. by the environment or the sun. <laughs> like, yeah, that's not yeah. the case at all. Um, I think those are the top things that are like a yeah. miscommunication. Um, Definitely. I mean, I think it's more so about how we care for our skin and how not yeah. to overdo it. Because mm-hmm. um, I think there's there's a lot of overdoing it. And, yeah. you know, just even confusion too. Because I don't think growing up, we're taught how to care for our hair and we're taught that we have to moisturize really well. So we're not like ashy, so to speak. <laughs> but we're not really taught how to maintain the health of our skin everywhere. You know, yeah. like shea butter all over that body is wonderful, but shea butter on your face might be too much or, yeah. you know, just little things. It's just more about like hearing each client and what they're doing at home and then being like, okay, that's where it is. Like that's yep. the, that's the misstep. We're going to switch these two steps back and yeah. Or even, you know, our hair products that we use mm-hmm. really nourishing and great for our hair. Cause we have dry hair. That's just the struggle of curls. And so depending on that hair product that we're using, even in the shower, shampoo, conditioner, masks, um, treatments, if it gets onto our skin, it can actually clog our pores because it's too heavy like it's great for our hair but then it's not good for our our, you know our chest or our back and then we break out in back knee and like the chest acne Um, and then we have the like around the forehead line a lot of times Mm -hmm. that happens that people are breaking out and they don't know why and they're using the acne products but they're using it all over their face and that's not the problem it's the problem of you know 
the whatever we're washing our hair with or whatever we're yeah. conditioning with. It's getting onto our skin and then clogging our pores. So there's yeah. like that's something that I feel like in other ethnic groups they don't necessarily have that struggle because we have to, mm-hmm. you know, our hair and our skin as our top priority in like African American culture. That's what we're yeah. known for. And you know, the two mixed together, sometimes they're combative. <laughs> I have totally been <laughs> you just there. just have to remember that, yeah, yeah, we take care of the two things very differently. Mm-hmm. And like when you do yeah. your hair, wash your face afterwards <laughs> just yep. to make sure that there's no yep. extra product on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just little like Absolutely. hacks, basically. That's yep. what I like to call them. Just a little hack because I'm <laughs> like, you're probably not doing everything wrong. And there's you are doing things that are right. It's just probably the order of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, totally. Oh, that's such good advice. So I would love to transition a little bit to talk about self-care. I know we've kind of mentioned it at the beginning. Um, I know that you definitely incorporate working with your clients on their self-care practices um, into your work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for you, from a from a personal standpoint, I mean, you're a busy mom of three. I personally really love watching your Instagram stories because you <laughs> kill it with your workouts and I Yay. do not. And so I like when I see people killing it with their workouts. Like I remember when I was that person once upon a time. Girl, um, <laughs> it's been a long time coming. It took me three kids. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I definitely got a trainer. Like Drew yeah. is the best. I will totally shout out to him at the end of this. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Um, so how do you, as a mom with three kids who works, like, create space for self-care? And what advice do you have maybe for other women who are struggling to create that space? You know, it's going to sound cl- so cliche. And I've heard it so many times from other mothers. I mean, you cannot care for others unless you care for yourself first. Like it's... yeah. It's so easy to say, and it gives me chills saying it because that is the whole truth. You have to care for yourself in order to care for others. And that totally rings so much truth in motherhood for me. I have been a mother since I was 19. I started young and, you know, learning self-care has definitely been a journey. It has its ups and downs. I have my beautiful friends in my life that I can check in with, or that will kind of put me in check as well. Um, You need that community for self-care. I feel like you need someone to call you out when you're depleted and you need to jump back onto your self-care game. Um, It's definitely finding a balance within motherhood. I, I am no perfect mother on any level when it comes to self-care. I go through seasons of life where I'm like, I haven't done a single thing for myself and I am not being a nice mom. I'm not being a nice coworker. I'm not, you know, being the most loving and ultimately caring as I should be or as I could be. And there's a lot of pressure around self-care and I feel like sometimes it's overwhelming for especially mothers to jump on board of it. Like yeah. we know we're supposed to do it, but it seems so daunting when you're in the thick of it and you're just like, I can't step away from this and breathe or like even breathing is self-care, like stopping and just like letting your shoulders melt and taking some deep breaths. Like that is self-care, you know? And even waking up with the intention to do small things. Like as a mother, it's really hard to wake up and shower and do normal things, <laughs> like, like totally. normal functional oh things. And it's like when you wake up and you just set the intention, like I'm going to not feel guilty today and I'm going to sit down or I'm going to sit my children down and put a movie on and I'm going to go shower because I need that. And it's, I think in motherhood, it's, it's all about guilt. Like you feel guilty for doing things for yourself. You feel guilty for, you know, sacrificing time with your partner for yourself or you sacrifice, you know, 
time with your kids for yourself. It's really hard to make that decision because you always put yourself off. Like you just kind of put yourself on the back burner. Like I'll do it later. I'll do it when they're asleep or I'll do it when, you know, he's at work or so on and so forth. So it's, it's really, honestly, I've learned now at 29, it's about boundaries Mm -hmm. and boundaries are love. Like it's not just love. It's not just love for your family, but it's also love for yourself. Like you you creating those boundary lines with others is, you know, it's walk in the walk. Like I can preach it all day, but if I don't create boundaries with, you know, the individuals that are in my life, I cannot care for myself because it's nearly impossible. There's three children, there's work, there's, you know, like there's everything going on. And so if I, I've learned that boundaries are, they're hard to put there, but they're so rewarding to put there. And absolutely. And, you know, I think there's a lot of excuses for trying to, to get on to the self-care ritual. And a lot of people think it's about spending money on yourself. Like there's, you know, go get a pedicure. Go even for my job description, like go get a facial, like go get love done, (laughs) like go spend money on yourself. It's not even like, it's not even that complicated. Self-care is just taking a moment to care for yourself. And that could be literally making yourself a cup of tea. It could be breathing. It could be sitting down. Um, and I will totally be honest. My self-care moments are when I go sit in the bathroom by myself. <laughs> like during the day of mothering, I go sit in the yeah. bathroom. I do. I go sit yeah. in the bathroom. I'm like, I will be back in 10 minutes. I need a minute. <laughs> and yep. I go take a minute. And my three children know with my boundary of if I say, I'm going to go take a moment. I need a minute. I'm not very happy right now because I'm very honest with my children because I do want to build that authentic relationship where they're able to say, I'm stressed. I need to go sit or like, you know, remove myself. So me personally, my self-care moments are in my bathroom Mm -hmm. (laughs) where I literally (laughs) just sit and breathe Yeah, because it's the only place in my home where... I could have like some 10 minutes to myself before they find me. They know where I am, but yeah. Um, yeah. And this like but creating those, yeah. that peace for yourself, those pockets of peace. Mm-hmm. It's hard, but I mean, it's definitely doable. And there's, I mean, there's such a creative list of things that are, that are self-care worthy too. And if you, if like us as women, if we as women, can share with each other what we do for ourselves for self-care because it's definitely like a creative thing. It's not Mm -hmm. all going to be like, go get a manicure or pedicure. I can do that for myself, but I've gotten to the point in motherhood where, you know, if my partner says, go ahead, go get a pedicure. And I'm like, no, that's not cutting it anymore. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) I'm like, I don't even want to. There's, I need something else. You know, it's, it can be so much more creative than that. You might even, you know, when you haven't been practicing self-care, sometimes when you dive into it, you learn something new about yourself that you didn't know before. And that might be a new passion. It might be a new hobby. It might be a new creative project. Like it's, I mean, the possibilities for self-care are endless. It's just the fact that you took a mindful moment to yourself and whether that's just simply sitting and breathing or I don't know, going to Olympus spa and sitting in the steam (laughs) rooms and like having a good day. Like it doesn't have to be complicated. And I think it really, it's being seen as a complicated or unachievable thing to do. And, um, I mean, it's, I mean, even self-care for me, even I have learned to talk lovingly to myself. I am a lot more loving talking to myself now 
versus before. Cause I'm like, this is an act of self care is talking to myself with loving, kind words. And, you know, I have a wonderful friend that has helped me with that. And then also my personal trainer has helped me with that. And having a support system behind you that holds you accountable in those areas really helps that self-care journey along. Um, Ugh, and for sure. Yeah. Just, I mean, yeah. So many endless possibilities for self-care and as a mother, it's just, I mean, it's a part, I think it's a part of motherhood and evolving through motherhood and realizing that you have to come first. You did come first. Like you were here before you created those little lives and they came out walking out with demands and needs. (laughs) Like you came before they did. So, and seeing yourself as a separate entity that they need, um, they need you to be healthy and they need you to be not just physically healthy, but mentally healthy. They need you to make boundaries with them. And, yep. you know, cause that only creates a happier, more well-rounded thriving self. Like you feel so much more empowered when you take a second to, I mean, dry brush, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like give yourself a pat on the back. You just did something different than you did yesterday and it made you smile. So yeah, self-care is still an active journey for me. And it's just the, don't judge yourself. Like if you realize you haven't been practicing self-care, don't judge it. Just observe it and be like, wow, I haven't taken myself out on the date for a while. I think it's time to do that. <laughs> you know, like it would mm-hmm. be nice. Like don't beat yourself up about it. Cause it's, it's a constant daily, <laughs> like yep. daily reminder. It's a relationship. <laughs> Self-care is a relationship with yourself. Mm. <laughs> like, it is. Preach. It's constant. You gotta like keep that relationship, that flame lit in yourself you know like (laughs) totally shoot when that flame goes out you're not feeling too good about yourself and well date yourself care for yourself love yourself and it sounds easy to talk about and it's hard but I mean every relationship is (laughs) so yeah well and what I love about that approach to it is that it that gives it room to evolve, that gives it room to breathe, where you can adjust what your self-care is based off of what your needs are mm-hmm. at a given time. Just like a relationship, you're going to treat your relationships differently depending on what your relationships need over time and how they need to be nurtured over time. And that can sometimes change with the season of life. And yeah. your relationship with yourself should be no different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just yeah. like seeing yourself as a relationship too. I think sometimes that's complex for people to realize like, oh, I guess I am in a relationship with myself. <laughs> like some things in life, no one can actually, you know, change or make happen or like influence besides yourself. Like your relationship with yourself should be the most important relationship before you act out or try to, you know, put effort somewhere else. Like you have got to do the work, like where you're at in your body. And sometimes that's really uncomfortable, but I mean, the payoff is so huge. Even for myself, like the dedication I've taken into speaking to myself in kind words. Like that has only been maybe three months, but it amazes me for when I look in the mirror and you know, you can tell I've had three kids, but I've literally gotten to the point where I look in the mirror and I'm just like, I love you. Like, and that's, Mm. and that's a journey through self care. It's just getting to a point where you're like, this feels so good. And I'm not going back. I'll probably like ebb and flow through this, but just that dedication to dive into yourself and, you know, care for yourself in small, small ways, like you would for your child, like you would for your partner, like you would for your sister or your brother or your mom or your dad. It's just really seeing the importance 
that the first relationship you have is with you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. So, so good. So, Kim Joy, thank you so, so much for just all of that incredible advice, everything from taking care of our minds, bodies, skin, all of the things. And I know our Seattle-based listeners especially um, would love to keep in touch with you, Mm -hmm. would love more information on how they can come visit you. So for folks who would like to come see you and keep in touch with you, how do we keep in touch? Well, let's see here. I am on Instagram. So my, what is it called? Your handle? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I'm still learning these things. Um, Love Spruce, Kim Joy. So L-O-V-E-S-P-R-U-C-E, Kim Joy, K-I-M-J-O-Y. Um, I'm really good at messaging back. Um, I'm still evolving with my Instagram. I <laughs> I feel like being like almost 30 years old, I missed the cutoff. <laughs> for really getting into social media, but I'm trying, I'm trying. So that's a great way to contact me. Spruce Apothecary on Instagram is also, you know, the business that I work at. Um, We have three shops. So I'm at Spruce. We also have Flourish and Juniper. We all do the holistic, non-toxic green beauty um, care for our clients. Um, And I mean, the shop itself and the sh- our sister shops are all so amazing. And I highly recommend visiting all three at some point because um, we all do a little bit different things. Yeah. yeah. So I'm over here amazing. at Spruce Apothecary in West Seattle. And um, we have an online booking system. If, you know, I'll totally share more information if anybody wants to reach out. I'm very approachable and friendly and (laughs) I'm still not at that point where Instagram stresses me out. So if you want a message, (laughs) now is the time. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Again, with boundaries, I'm going to have to start setting boundaries with the social media. But yeah, totally. Yeah. That's the best way. Boundaries are the ultimate self-care. So they um, are. They are. We'll be sure to make sure that all of your information is linked in the show notes so that folks can find you and keep in touch with you and hopefully book and come see you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. 